0: Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it will help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory.
1: I have a handful of announcements for you this morning. Before we begin, if you are visiting, welcome. If you have been here a million times, welcome. We're glad that you are all here. Uh, we have, uh, this doesn't say this right here, but we do have a, a newcomer class that I think has already started, but uh, we like to chat with newcomers, so come say hi and we'll connect you. Um, thank you to everyone who was here for God's Grace Your Hands Weekend. Um, we told you, of course, that would be a big deal. Uh, and I hope that it has been uh, transformative for each of you who were here who got those checks. Uh, a reminder that we need to ask you to give away that gift no later than October 20 to make sure that you have uh, some sense of where that goes. Um, And then we're having a special celebration on October 27, which is a Sunday in the evening. We're going to have a potluck and uh, brats and such. Um, So you can sign up for that in the lobby. Make sure you come to that, though, because it's not just like a a rah-rah thing. We're actually going to get to hear stories uh, from folks about where we have have sent that money and kind of how that has changed us. Um, So please make sure you get here for that. That's 530 on the 27th. Part of our mission statement is to serve others. We invite you to two upcoming opportunities. One is the Rock Around the Block Party coming up Saturday, October 12, uh, and two, Matthew 25 Hunger Walk on November 9th. You can read more about both of those things and how you can serve others in today's Our Life Bulletin Insert. We are also collecting candy for our, this says trick or trunk, I think it's trunk or treat, (laughs) whatever, Um, trick or trunk or treat thing. Uh, That's October 26th. If you have a bag or two to share of candy, please put it in the large barrel out in the lobby before the 26th. Finally, it's not too late to sign up for the picture directory. You can find information on how you can make your appointment online today in that Our Life Bulletin insert. Uh, That is the end of my announcements. Oh, except to say that we still need some cooks for Nosh. Okay, great. You can sign up at Sign Up Central. Ken, take it away.
0: Good morning. A reading from Habakkuk. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received in a vision. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed, and there's no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so the justice has become perverted. I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner may carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end. It'll be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It'll not be delayed. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves, and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness in God. Our next reading is from Second Timothy, the first chapter. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I have been sent, has been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through the faith in Christ Jesus. I'm writing to Timothy, my dear son. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank you, thank God for you the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I'll be filled with joy when we're together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that the same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord, and don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news." for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserve it, but because it was the plan from before the beginning of time to show us grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearance of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way of life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me to be a preacher an apostle and a teacher of this good news. That's why I am suffering here in prison, but I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that He's able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his his return. Hold on to the pattern of wholesomeness teachings that you've learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith of love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, Carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. This ends our reading. Please stand for the gospel. This
1: is the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. The apostle said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. The Lord answered, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? No, he says, prepare my meal, put on your apron, and serve me while I eat, then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, We are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. This is the gospel of the Lord. I think the staff and clergy uh, here are probably tired of me saying, in my old church, or, you know, Episcopalians do it differently. But we do, though. And I have been an Episcopalian my whole life. Anyway, we have our confession in the middle of the service. There are readings, the sermon, the creed, Nicene, if you please, and then the prayers of the church and the world, and then the confession. It comes right in the middle, right before the peace and the Eucharist, because everything before that was meant as a kind of, like a formalized, why are we here? And then we get to the meat of it, confession, repentance, peacemaking with our neighbor, and the Holy Supper. We're getting ready for that. There's a theatricality there, a rising action with a climax at either the this is my body or the actual eating of the body, depending on your theology. Either way, the confession's in the middle. So it's been different for me for years that Lutherans confess at the beginning. Now relax. This is not so much uh, a a criticism as it is a love letter. Uh, One of my Episcopal clergy friends recently said, Those Lutherans have it right. Start the whole dang thing out with confession. Name your sin at the outset. I was like, rude? (laughs) But he has a point. And so it seems as our Cranberry book and the Green Book before that and perhaps some others in your history, begin with honesty. Begin our worship time together by saying the thing. Begin with grief over what we've done, and left undone, and what has been done to us. Only in broken hearts can we really be transformed. So why do we confess in the first place? Doesn't God already know it all? Does saying it out loud or to ourselves erase the hurt that we've caused? Do we really need to wallow in the things we've done and not really fixed? Yes, God does know it already. No, saying it out loud does not erase the hurt. No, we don't need to wallow. But yes, we do still need to name it. And this is what we're going to talk about this morning, confession, not the readings. (laughs) We include confession in the prayers of the people at Nosh at the Edge House near the end of the service. We have prayed and sung and read and talked and eaten, and then we offer prayers for the church and the world to God. We pray for the sick and the grieving. We pray for our cooks, for our community, for Thanksgivings, and we confess, We hold empty space for folk to say aloud or only to themselves those things that we've done or left undone and the things that we have done to wound God's creation. A surprising number of folks speak their sins out loud. Some very specifically, week after week. It's a form of unburdening, setting things down, even though sometimes we're going to pick them right back up again. And there at the Edge House and here at Good Shepherd, we set down our individual sins, but also our corporate ones. Those systems that we participate in, the actions that groups we are a part of have done that cause hurt. We confess our self-interest, our willful ignorance of other people's pain. We confess our complacency in the face of all kinds of disasters. Whether these sins are, are tiny or personal or huge and nebulous or even seemingly insurmountable, corporate confession, that prayer that we do at the beginning of the service, is also a way to hold each other gently because we're all saying it. We all see each other's vulnerability. We are all on the same broken footing we can look at each other with the eyes of understanding and love. Pastor Heidi once said in a sermon, I think if we could see each other as God sees us, the beauty would be too much. To see the dignity and the value and the beauty of every single person, could we bear to look? We can, and we do every Sunday. Confession is like prayer. It's a beginning to a story, an invitation to something new and different, a choice of a new path or the choice to veer back onto the path that we were on. Maybe think about it this way. Your calendar and your checkbook are signs of the choices that you make, whether they're on paper or they're entirely digital. What we choose to do with our time is right there in our calendars. And what we choose to do with our money is right there in black and white in our bank statements, whether or not you look at them. (laughs) Confession, too, is about naming clearly the choices that we've made. And it's also about choosing to turn away from those things that pull us away from God. Because confession isn't just about saying these things aloud, obviously that's a big part of it, but it's about how we respond to it. The Greek word, I'm sure you've heard this multiple times from me and other clergy people, metanoia, repentance. And repentance isn't just, I'm sorry. I think you may have heard me say before, my dad always said, I don't want your sorrow, I want your repentance. He wants me to turn away from the thing. Turn back to God. Turn back to God who is always, everywhere, no matter what we're doing, facing us, ready to look us in the eye with understanding and love. So when we can speak clearly what we see, when we turn to face God and be seen exactly as we are, then we can respond, then we can act differently, then we can make amends. This is a word that has been really powerful to me in the last year or so. Um, I have been going to Al-Anon meetings on Monday mornings and they're so great. And I'm sure that many of you know about 12-step programs, obviously there's 12 steps, but you don't just walk through them. There's a lot of work involved, confession even. And step nine is we made direct amends to all persons we had harmed wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. We made direct amends to all those we'd harmed. Amends are doing something to help that person heal from what we've done. And not random things, not just what we think is important, but what they actually need. It might just be an acknowledgement of the harm. Yeah, I did the thing. (sighs) Because sometimes that's all we need to hear. Or it might be a repayment of a debt of some kind. It might be a reparation as a sign of our sorrow and our desire to help. Or standing with them as they ask for justice from others. Or, or, or... I'm sure that you've seen stories on the news about people caught doing nefarious things, conning people out of money or sexual assault or pollution or fill in the blank. And maybe you've also seen these same people say... In a press conference, I've been redeemed, or similar. And they usually say this very soon after having been caught. Cynical part of me says, you're not redeemed, you just got caught. They're different. But of course, Jesus' unconditional love and redemption doesn't require us to confess. Jesus is kind of weird like that. But our transformation does. For us to change, we got to confess. We don't get to claim our own redemption without seeing and grieving our own nefarious deeds. Saint and sinner both, said Martin Luther. So our confession on Sundays is the beginning of the service. But it's also the beginning of our day and our week and our life. It's an acknowledgement of what actually is rather than what we pretend things are like. And in that confession, we are seen We are known, unvarnished, messy, and God loves us for all of it. See, this is the beauty of confession to me. It may seem sad and self-flagellating and ridiculous, I am a worm and no man, but it's a practice of hope. We confess with the assurance that we are still loved and forgiven no matter what, we confess because there is something after sin. Because there is possibility and new life. Misery and hope sit side by side. In the last few weeks, I have become obsessed with a new musical Hades Town by Anais Mitchell. If you are a musical fan, you should check it out. It's so good. It's a retelling of the Greek myth of Orpheus and Eurydice, and it's set in the Depression. And you probably know this myth in some form or another. You've probably heard some part of it. Eurydice and Orpheus are in love, but she dies. So Orpheus goes to the land of the dead after her to bring her back. And the god of death tells him he can have her, but only if they walk out of Hades single file. And if Orpheus never looks back at Eurydice to make sure she's there. If he does, she will remain there in the land of the dead forever. So guess what happens? It's a long road and Orpheus begins to doubt. He can't hear Eurydice. Is she really there? Is it a trick? And so just as the dawn is starting to light the path and they're just steps from arriving in the land of the living, he turns back and he sees she's been with him the whole time. And she disappears. It's an old, sad love story, and it's beautiful. And in the musical, the narrator sings, it's a love song, it's an old song, it's a sad song, and we're going to sing it again. And then he sings, here's the thing, to know how it ended and still begin to sing it again, as if it might turn out this time. Maybe it will turn out this time. Friends, this is what we're getting at with confession. We are Orpheus, full of doubt, full of self-importance, unwilling to trust, unintentionally hurting other people. And we are Eurydice, loving and trusting and wounded by those we love, and every time we come to worship, every time we speak the words of confession, whether it's in the middle or the beginning or the end, we're singing that old sad love song again, hoping It'll turn out better this time. This is what happens every Lent when we walk with Jesus toward the cross. Maybe it will turn out this time. Every Sunday, we remember his death and resurrection. We remember that it does turn out this time. Our confession in church or to each other as we work on making amends can be painful and sad, but it's also a song of hope, of possibility. How we are right now is not inevitable. The psalmist says, weeping will endure a night, but joy comes in the morning. It's a love song. It's a sad song. It's an old song. And we're going to sing it again. Amen.
0: Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.